Community of Faith, I'm so excited about what I'm gonna share with you today. I'm gonna talk about the great, Christ, the great secret of the Christian life. And we've been looking at Christianity 101. This is today how Jesus says it's to be lived. So before we even start, I want you to do me a favor. I want you just to close your eyes, kind of just block out everyone else around you right now, and just say, Jesus, show me your way today. If you're here and you're not sure if you believe or not, just say, Jesus, if you're real, show yourself to me today. And that's what we're asking, Lord Jesus Christ, that you would do what only you can do in this place. We trust you completely. Thank you that you're so strong and so powerful. Thank you for the truths that you share with us about how this life is to be lived. And we look forward to what you have for us, Jesus. In your precious name, amen. All right, so let's just dig right in, okay? We're gonna be looking at a couple of chapters, but just some pieces of those chapters. And so let me just go ahead and start off. And, and I wanna read to you, first of all, from uh, John chapter 14. We'll look at verses 12 through 18, okay? Listen to this, Jesus talking. He says this, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, anyone who believes in me as Savior will also do the things that I do. And he will do even greater things than these in extent and outreach because I am going to the Father. Now, this is out of the Amplified, which uh, that version amplifies the original Greek just a little bit. And I think it gets us, helps us to get just a, a, a better understanding of what Jesus was trying to say. But he says that the works that I do and greater works will you do. Now, as I was thinking about that and as I had pondered that down through the years, I thought, you know, well, Jesus, I haven't seen anybody raise the dead lately. I haven't seen anybody, you know, just walking around and someone touches just the, the hem of their jeans or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden, you know, they're healed. So what is he talking about here? He's saying, because of the things I'm going to talk to you about, as my church, as my people, the things that I've done, you're just going to expand on that exponentially. And if you think about it, it's Jesus baptized a few people and his disciples baptized a few people. But here at Community of Faith over these last 20 years, we've baptized almost 15,000 people. And that's an amazing thing. <laughs> Jesus discipled 12 people, 11 of them stuck, right? And, uh, but here at Community of Faith, thousands of people have been discipled. And as we look at that, we see that God is wanting to break through. He's wanting to do some things. And I think we're right on the cusp of just seeing him move in a really powerful way again in our church. You know, as I was with the men on Tuesday night, 
you could just feel, I mean, the air was crackling with the Holy Spirit's power. I mean, there was a lot of testosterone in the place, I'm going to tell you. But, you know, to have men stand up and say, I'm really struggling with a porn addiction. Will you pray for me? And to watch all these other guys, they said, I've struggled with that too. And they're coming around and they're putting their hands on him and they're praying, asking God to to do something amazing. Someone standing up say, my relationships, especially my marriage is really, really in in a difficult, dark place right now. And people gathering around. I mean, that's only God can do that, you know? And you could just feel God there. It was like revival was ready to break out. The guys didn't even want to leave. I mean, we were just staying and staying and staying. I don't know if it was because our relationships were messed up at home. We didn't want to go home. I don't know that. But it was this incredible thing that was happening. And then, ladies, on Wednesday night, as you just filled up this whole bottom part and even up into the risers a bit, I sat right up there in the top as Brittany was sharing with you. And she did this amazing thing, guys. Um, she had about seven or eight questions and she had the ladies fill them out and not put their name on it. And then she had them pass it back a bunch of times and around and over so that you ended up with somebody you didn't even know who it was. And then she says, I want you to stand for this person. This is not standing for you. Someone else is standing for you. So it made it easier to stand. But she asked them that one of the questions was, I thought about committing suicide recently. And a third of the ladies stood up. I've almost lost hope in my primary relationships. And almost half of the ladies stood up. I injure myself, I cut myself, and a third of the ladies stood up. And by this time, I'm just up there, you know, kind of close to the top, kind of hiding out in here with all the ladies here, and I just started bawling. And you know what I realized was estrogen rises. No, that's not what I realized. (laughs) I think I'm having a hot flash. I don't know what's happening. But it was just so amazing. It was so touching and so real. And I realized we're all so broken. And yet this Jesus, this God of ours, wants to work, wants to touch, wants to even live through us. And he even says the works that I do, you're going to do. And greater works than I do. That's why Christianity has spread across the globe. That's why two billion people claim to be believers. I don't know that they all are, but it's been this amazing thing. Jesus stayed in this tiny little geographical area, and he said, this is going to explode across the globe. And he says this as he goes on. He says, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, so that the Father may be glorified and celebrated in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. 
He's telling us prayer is the work. And that's one of our, our themes at Community of Faith. It has been from day one because when we started, you know, I'm telling you, it was, it was chaos. And you know what it is today? Chaos. But it's this amazing thing that as we pray, and every Wednesday night, I want to invite you, Laura and I lead a little group, and it's always a little group. I don't know why. But out there in the, in the student building on Wednesday night, we lead a little group in prayer, and we pray. That, I call it the engine room because that's where all of the power comes from. We pray for you. We've prayed for you today. But he says, if you ask anything in my name, and that's not just like some kind of little magical phrase, you know? You always wonder why we always close in Jesus' name. We usually just say it because that's what we're used to saying and we've heard someone else pray it. It, it means, like it says in the Amplified, as my representative, as the one who's interested and concerned about the same things that I'm concerned about. When we get on his agenda, we get on his wavelength. We get on the things that matter to him and we pray about those things for his kingdom. He answers us. He promises he will. And we've seen so many answers to prayer. And it doesn't matter what the circumstances are because circumstances are nothing to an omnipotent God. But we see God begin to move. And, you know, it has to be a God thing. Because if you're here today and you're not a believer, the Bible says that spiritually we're dead. We're dead. And so in that sense, you know, when I stand up to speak, have you ever gone out to a graveyard and preached a great sermon? You know how much, how many decisions there are? Not very many, because everybody's dead. But we see every week God raise us to spiritual life. We see every week people stepping into this journey. How do you do it? You simply say, Jesus Christ, I believe you're the Son of God. I step into this journey with everything that I am. I give you control of my life. And I want what you want for me. I want to desire what you desire for me. I trust what you want to do in me. And as we begin to pray these things, God begins to do this amazing, life-bringing, resurrection work. And he has for so many of us in this room today. But these are the greater works. That's what he's talking about. He goes on. He says, if you love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. If you love me, you will keep and obey my commandments. Now, I used to always see this, you know, I, I kind of grew up in a more traditional church and I would see it that like, you prove that you love me by keeping my commandments, you know, and that's kind of the American way. I'm gonna keep your commandments, God, because I wanna show you that I love you. That's not what he's saying. The Amplified brings out, he said, if you really love me, you won't be able to help it. If you really, really have a love relationship with me, 
you're not going to be able to help yourself. You're going to keep my commandments because you're going to know my heart for you is good. You're going to know that I care about you. You're going to know that I love you. You're going to know that, that I want the best for you. And it's going to be easy for you to keep my commandments. The devil's not going to be able to use his age-old lie that he brought to Adam and Eve. Is God really good or is he holding out on you? Does he want you to miss the best in life? No, we realize, no, he's got ultimate life for us. And so we fall head over heels in love with Jesus. And he enables us in that moment to begin to keep his commandments. We love to do it. We want to do it. We desire to do it. The things that this world has to offer they really just lose any kind of appeal. We realize how empty they are. And he goes on and he says, and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper. And it's just kind of a interesting thing that when it pulls it out, it, the, the word is parakletos in, in the Greek, but it, it means comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, one called alongside to help. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him, but you know him because he, the Holy Spirit, remains with you continually and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come back to you. So his great promise to the disciples and to us is that, yes, I'm leaving, but I'm going to send my spirit back to dwell within each and every one of you that steps into this journey with me. You see where the power comes from? All the fullness of deity dwelt in Jesus. And he, through his spirit, dwells in us. All the power and the fullness of God dwells in you, believer. Are you experiencing that? See, to me, it, it's, it's a shame that we, as Americans, we seem like we're just barely getting by. Like, I'm, a, you know, God's not going to give us more than we can bear. And, you know, we're going to make it. We're somehow going to make it. We're going to somehow get through this. And he's saying, no, all the fullness of God dwells in you. Are you counting on that? Are you pulling on that? Are you experiencing that? And then it's so interesting because in the very next chapter, he tells us how that's supposed to happen. And I love his illustration here. So in John 15, and starting with verse one, Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the keeper of the vineyard. So I want you to realize this is on the day, the night before he's crucified. So he's trying to get across to his disciples how this whole life is lived because he knows he's not going to be there much longer with them to walk with them to be with them in flesh and blood. 
And so he tells them what had happened. They'd been in the upper room, and then he said, let's go. And they're going up to the Mount of Olives to pray, where he's going to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And they probably passed, there's a vineyard right at the bottom of the the Mount of Olives. And as they're passing this vineyard, he looks over there and he says, here's the thing. It's just like this. I'm the true vine. Basically, what he's trying to tell us is, you don't have what you need inside of you to live this life. And you're going to reach out and grab hold of something as the vine for you. What are you holding on to? What are you holding on to to find meaning and purpose? What are you holding on to 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 find sustenance? He said, there's only one true vine, and that's me. Anything else you try to hold on to is going to fail you. So he said, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. And I want you to hold to me, but also realize that I'm holding to you at the same time. There's this huge power there. And and he says, my father is the keeper of the vineyard. Now, that's a little different than what they were used to because in, in the Old Testament, always had God as the owner of the vineyard. Of course, he owns everything. But in this church age, he has a little bit different task that he's chosen to do. He said, I'm going to keep you. I'm going to hold you. I'm going to work in you. And that's what Jesus goes on to tell us in the next verse. He says, my father examines every branch in me. You feel God's eyes examining you today? Now, some of you, when you feel God's eyes examining you, you're You grew up in a performance-based acceptance home life and you feel like he's examining you to see like you're going to fail probably. You know, you're not going to measure up. That's not what he's doing. That's not what it means when it says he's examining you. He's looking at you with love and it says he examines every branch in me and cuts away those who do not bear fruit. He leaves those bearing fruit and carefully prunes them so they will bear more fruit. There's a lot of truths in this. I think when it says that he's looking at us as believers and and he's looking at us and he wants to prune us, he wants to cut away those things that don't matter, cut away those things that are superfluous in our lives, cut away those things that, that we can lose our attention to so that we can focus in even tighter on him. Do you feel his pruning today? Do you feel him cutting some things away? Do you feel him working deep inside of you? Now he says there's some that, you know, he looks and there's no fruit and there's no fruit and there's no fruit. So he cuts them away. I think he's talking about what John later referred to as the sin unto death for a believer. He says there is a sin unto death. And basically what that is, is as we step into this journey with Christ and we start walking with him and we're, we're, we're with him and then we get distracted 
we begin to go our own way, if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, he starts to try to pull you back. But if you go, no, I don't wanna do that, I'm gonna go my own way, he tries to pull you back. No, I'm gonna go my own way, I'm gonna do my own thing. He pulls at you and pulls at you and pulls at you. Pretty soon you're pretty miserable, but I'm still determined to go my own way. Well, what he does, because he loves us, because he doesn't see death like we do. He says, okay, little girl, I've been trying to get your attention for some years now. Little boy, I've been trying to get your attention for some years now. Why don't you come up here and we'll talk face to face? Because I know when you look in my eyes, you're going to hear me. That's the sin unto death for a believer. Say, no, I'm not going to follow you. I'm not going to obey you. And he doesn't allow that. He says, no, no, I've got better than that for you. Come here. And he calls you to himself. And you see the love in his eyes and everything changes. Oh, yeah, you died. But he says, for those of you who are trying to seek after me, I'm going to prune you. I'm going to work in your life. I'm going to break some things away. Bruce Wilkinson tells a story. He said, he said, I'm a city boy, but I moved to the country. And he said, in between the little bit of acreage that I had and the acreage that the neighbor had, there was this amazing grapevine that grew along the fence. And it, it was just it was huge. And he said, we were so looking forward to grapes. The, the, the ones who lived there before said, you won't believe the grapes that come on that vine. He said, but one day in the spring, I'm looking out and the neighbor is just hacking away at that vine. And I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, he's destroyed. what's the matter? He said, I, I ran out there and I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm, I'm, I'm pruning the vine. And, and, and he says, you don't like, Bruce Wiggins said, you don't like grapes? He goes, no, I love grapes. But he could tell from his attitude that he didn't know what was going on. So he said, you're a city boy, aren't you? And he goes, yeah. He goes, well, Bruce, here's the deal. We can either have beautiful leaves covering this whole fence line, or I can prune all these back and we can have the most amazing luscious grapes that you've ever eaten, but we can't have both. So I'm pruning this back so that we can have those grapes. That's what, that's what God is doing in our lives. That's what he's moving in our lives. He goes on. He says, you're already clean because you've heard my voice. And then he gives us the great secret. He says, abide in me and I will abide in you. A branch cannot bear fruit if it's disconnected from the vine, and neither will you if you are not connected to me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you abide in me and I in you, you will bear great fruit. Without me, you will accomplish nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is like a branch that is tossed out and shrivels up and is later gathered to be tossed into the fire to burn. If you abide in me and my voice abides in you, anything you ask will come to pass for you. Your abundant growth and your faithfulness as my followers will bring glory to the Father. Abide in me as I abide in you. There's two pieces of this. One is that he abides in us. 
And this is a great secret. That means when we step into this journey with him, he comes through his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And he said, that's, that's the seal of the promise that you're going to be with me forever. In that moment, as his spirit joins with your spirit, you become what the Bible calls a whole new creation. Never seen before in the history of creation. This church age, this age since Jesus died on the cross for us, new creations have been formed that have never been seen. And that's you as a believer. If you could see into the spiritual realm, you would be stunned at what you've become just when you step into that journey. And he says, I'm going to be there. I'm going to abide in you. I'm going to be inside of you. I'm going to be there to give you the power to live the life that I'm asking you to live, which, by the way, is impossible to live. If you've been trying to live the principles of Jesus and the principles of the Bible on your own, you're failing. I can guarantee you that. Some of you go, well, I don't think I'm failing. I think I'm doing, well, you're failing in God's eyes. It's not possible. In fact, he says that apart from him, counting on that, leaning into that, we can do nothing. Nothing of any importance to him. See, it doesn't matter what kind of flash you have. You go to some churches and it's all flashy and maybe they're even having healing services at the end or, or you know, they... They breathe on people and everybody falls over and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about fruit that's going to stay. I'm talking about fruit that's going to remain. I'm not talking about some flashy thing. I'm talking about this simple fact of I'm in you. And as you begin to realize that and count on that, you have this assurance that changes everything. But it's not the only part. He says, and you abide in me. How do you abide in him? You keep his commandments. You do as he's asked us to do. You walk with him. You take each little right step. And I always call them baby steps because we're all in that together. Baby steps in the right direction. You always choose his way. And if you don't, if you fall and you fail, you say, Jesus, Father, forgive me. I went my own way for a moment. I want to get back right on track. And he enables you to do that. And so it's, it's a two-way street. You see, one of it, part of it is just this thing that we count on because we can count on him. He'll never fail us. He'll never forsake us. He'll never leave us. But the other part is a bit of effort. But it's not effort to try to do what he's telling us to do. It's an effort to stay connected to him. And that's a whole different effort. We say, help me to see the world from your point of view. Help me to be so engrossed in your word and the things that you say to me and the truth of what you share in the Bible, that I will begin to just walk in that. I'll see that. But you have to read the Bible for yourself and begin to do it. 
Paul talks about taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. And that's what he's talking about. He's saying, we have to learn to think like Jesus, but we don't naturally do that. Now he lives inside of us and he wants us to think like that. And he has the power to enable us to think like that, but we have to choose it every moment. That's how you abide. The word abide also means remain. Remain in me, stay in me, stay tight with me. See, as a believer, you really only have one job. You say, oh, I know my job is to obey every command. No, your job is to stay tight with him. And as you stay tight with him, as you stay close to him, you become like him. As you begin to think like him, as you read his word and you say, I want to think like you, I want to be like you, I want to walk with you. We don't just imitate him. And then we, we count on his power to give us that each moment, each day, each second. And it enables us to walk that way. You know, it changes everything. I was just thinking of the guy who stood up on Tuesday night and says, I'm really struggling with porn. But you know, as you begin to think like Jesus, you couldn't even watch that stuff without your heart breaking. Some of those, those little girls and boys, they're trafficked. They're, they're not even having, they don't even have the ability to break out of that to save their own lives. They're doing those kind of things. Others have chosen that. So I only watch, you know, only watch porn that, you know, uses porn stars or whatever. But those men and women, they're broken. And you would just start bawling. You wouldn't be lusting. You'd be crying. That's what Jesus would do. And as you begin to walk with him, you begin to see that in every area of your life. Is your heart broken for the people at work around you? Maybe their vine is the company or maybe their vine is material things or maybe their vine is, you know, money. It's so empty. Do you see how empty it is? See, we know how empty it is. We have that. But Jesus' heart is broken for them. Are you praying for them? Are you asking God to do something in them? as we begin to walk that way and feel that way and do that way, then the power of God just becomes so real in us. And see, this is what he's saying. This is the great secret. You only have one job. Just keep pressing into me. Just remain in me. I've got you. I'm the true vine. Don't Break away from that. Don't get away from that. Remember what's real. Remember what's true. Stay here with me. Are you spending time with God? Are you walking with him? As you do that, his spirit begins to just fill you and overflow you. And those fruits, and Paul said, let me tell you what the fruits of the spirit are. Love, joy, Peace, patience, goodness, gentleness, 
faithfulness, self-control. Those are the fruits. You see those coming out in you? You think that would change your marriage? The last three weeks of October, Laura and I are gonna do just a three-week short marriage series but it's gonna be life-changing. It's, it's some of the principles that have changed us. I mean, we are opposites. You know, I always used to say we've been married for, it's coming up on 40 years this year. Did you know that? And I always say it's been, you can clap for that because you're really clapping for her to stay with me for that long. 40 years, I always used to say, it's been 33 of the happiest years of my life because the first seven were awful. But I didn't know this secret. I was trying and failing. See, Laura discovered that she's had some past traumas in her life. I've discovered I have ADHD in my life. And there's no way that we could have made it. I found out when you have ADHD as bad as I do, you're like 10 years younger mentally than what you really are. So I got married to her at 22, so I was really 12. And I was, you know, and for her to stick with me through my teen years, (laughs) only the Holy Spirit could enable her to do that. But as we learned to be filled with him and walk with him, it changed everything. There's a couple in our church that's some of my dear friends and they were working really hard. God was blessing them and they had just about saved up enough to have a vacation home. And they were getting excited about it, buying their vacation home. And they went with me and Laura to Burundi, Africa. And while they were there, Claude, our guy, our staff member that's the guy on the street there, amazing man, he shared a vision for having a porridge factory, a porridge factory that would feed, make this fortified porridge and feed all these little children that were starving to death because it's one of the poorest countries in the world. He said, I think eventually it will be porridge that can go to the kids of all of Burundi and even the Congo, which is right next door. The people that we were working with, only two out of 10 of their kids lived to age five because of malnutrition. Well, this couple came to me a few days later and they said, we've been praying and we feel with all of our hearts that God wants us to give all of this money that we were going to use to build our vacation home to start this porridge factory. I was kind of blown away. And they did. Did you know that porridge factory now is feeding tens of thousands of kids every day? It won't be long till we're feeding 100,000 kids a day. I want you to think about that for a minute. Remember the great miracle we talked about not too long ago? Jesus fed 5,000. 
but God is using you and this couple as we've put all that money together to build this porridge factory to feed literally 40, 50,000 little kids every single day. And they did a big study that said if they will have two bowls of this fortified porridge, they will thrive. And that's what they're getting. And they're thriving. Among the group that we've been working with that only two out of 10 of their kids live to age five, we've only lost one child. One child since we built that porridge factory. Now there's a lot of little kids over there. We even decided, you know, we better do some family planning and teach them, you know, a little bit. But unfortunately, the lady that we set up to be in charge of that got pregnant. And so that didn't work out. But if you go over there, there are so many little kids. I slept in their village when I was there. And they had fixed this little hut up for me and for Laura and for some that went with us. And when we woke up in the morning, we heard singing, the most the sweetest little voices. And we peeked outside and squatted down in the way that only they can do. I could never get down in that position. Were hundreds of little kids gathered around our little hut and they were singing their hearts out. Jesus said, the works that I do, you'll do. And greater works than these will you do. I want you just to close your eyes with me. There's a tremendous power available to you. If you're here and you're not a believer yet, you can step into that. You're not going to save your marriage without it. You can grit your teeth and you can try so hard. And believer, if you're trying it that way, that's not the way. You lean into him. You begin to walk with him. You be filled with him. And you stay with him. And you keep making each day those little baby steps in the right direction and he fills you with his power and his spirit and flowing out from you is this river of living water love joy peace patience goodness gentleness faithfulness self-control it pours over your mate it pours over your children. It pours over your coworkers. It pours over this broken, hurting, lost world of ours. And then the father comes in and he starts to prune some stuff away by trials. Trials can't destroy your faith. They can only test your faith. So don't complain in the trial. Trust. He's pruning you pulling some things away, showing you what counts, pressing you back into himself. If you're a believer and you've gotten far away from him, little warning, get back. You don't want to have to do the face-to-face -face thing. 
this is the secret of the Christian life. This is Christianity 101. Come, Lord Jesus, upon us. Holy Spirit, have your way with us as we open ourselves to you and we begin to live this out. Bring your revival to us. Let us be open and vulnerable to you so that we can be open to the world around us. And let us not try to put on a show. Let us not try to act like we're better than anybody because we're the most broken of all. But let us do like you did and get on our hands and knees and wash each other's feet and the feet of the world around us. And you do, Holy Spirit, Father, Jesus, what only you can do. And let the world see, not American Christianity, but what the Christian life is meant to be in action. In Jesus' name, amen.